Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve apostles and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. I love that prayer, O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you. Mercifully accept our prayers, and because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you, give us the help of your grace. In our weakness we can do nothing good without you. I like the collets a little better than the gospel reading this morning. That's a tough gospel to chew. Whew. And I'm thinking about the, the, the collet. Um, next Sunday during the Christian Formation Hour, um, my friend Sybil will be with us. Sybil uh, is the keynote speaker for the Metagym, which is the Institute of Christian um, Formation here in the Diocese of Alabama. And so she'll be here, she's going to stay over, and she's going to lead us through a, a pre-Lenten kind of meditation. And Sybil is the author of Praying in Color. And she talks about how um, her book has now been translated, I think, in upwards of 100 different languages. Um, and, and she's a doodler. And she talks about how she is an absolutely horrible artist. And so she's made this kind of notoriety off of doodling and coloring and talks about how God has used her weaknesses. And I thought it was a, I didn't plan this out in the lectionary, but I thought it was a beautiful 
image to share with you all before we get into the hard stuff. Um, this scripture is one of my least favorite. It's hard to, to, to stomach. It's hard to hear. And, and, and in preparation, kind of looking, you know, we often think that we hear scripture every three years, but we're in one of those seasons that changes in its depth. And so often um, by this time in February, Lent has already begun. And so the last time we heard this scripture was uh, 12 years ago. Um, I shared with 9 o'clock that um, I was old enough to legally drive to rent a car. Y'all might find that hard to believe. Um, I definitely could drive. I mean, rent. Yeah, uh, y'all probably thought the other way. Uh, it's a hard scripture to hear because Jesus comes down off the mountain and he is just really shaking things up. Woe to you who believe that you have everything together. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. And it's just tough. It's a tough language to hear because I think that often within our settings, we feel, we may feel like we don't have enough, but if we really look around, we're fed. We've got enough to get by. And so the scripture comes at us in a way that is challenging and problematic. Um, and I find it really hard to hear sometimes. I was thinking back to, to one of my favorite authors is uh, economist Malcolm Gladwell. I've mentioned him here before. And in and one of his books, David and Goliath, he uses an example. He traces this curve of, of wealth versus kind of satisfaction and happiness in life. And it's an interesting way that he is saying that there's a point when, you know, if you make a little bit more money, you are happier. And then you get to a point where all of a sudden there's no correlation between happiness and wealth. And then way down at the end, there's actually there's a chance that you could become unhappy if you've got too much. Not to say that that's that way with everyone. But it's an interesting kind of curve to follow. And I've been thinking about that as I looked at this scripture. And one of the things that maybe is going on is that a lot of the things that Jesus is saying woe to are things that we believe we have within our own control and power. And so one of the great neutralizers in life in general is just the situations that we find ourselves in. And so it's possible that the reason that this curve begins to dip back down is because people find themselves having all the things they think they need to have to be happy, and yet they're no better off than anyone else. Think about it. All the things that Jesus is calling woe to are the very devices that we use to feel like we have security or power. And so when he says, woe to you who are full, we think that because we're full, we're better off than everybody else. Or woe to you who are rich, because we think that we have material goods, we are better off than everybody else. We think because of the strengths that we have, we are better than everybody else. 
And I think that many of you probably have been exposed to that great human truth that that is not the case. Maybe you've gotten a call from a doctor or for a loved one or you've learned something about your family or you found yourself in a situation and you've realized that it doesn't matter how full you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. There is nothing but the grace of God that can be with you in this moment in your life. That's the great truth that in the end all things are reduced. It doesn't matter how much money we have or how much food. Things are kind of leveled out. It's interesting that in Matthew's Gospel, we hear about the Sermon on the Mount when he's saying, blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus has gone up on a mountain and he's preaching kind of down and, and, and he's got this view. But in this one, Jesus is coming down in Luke's Gospel into the plain and it is kind of the equalizing. Everybody is on the same, on the same ground. And so we find ourselves... And in this kind of vision of of God's kingdom, everything is flattened. And all those things that we've been holding on to in our life to give us power and security no longer matter. This is a tough message for us to swallow. And so I I turned to to Henry Nouwen's commentary on on this gospel from Luke. And he says one of the things that we miss is what happens right before this, um, right before this part of the story. And in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Now during those days he went out to the mountain to pray. Jesus spent the night in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciple and chose 12 of them. And it's when he has gathered his friends and the ones that he trusts in this mission of life that he comes off the mountain and goes to be with the people and he shares this vision that we are having such a tough time hearing. I think that in the course of our lives together, we are going to hear messages that are tough and challenging. We are going to hear news that we don't know what to do with. But Jesus gives us a message and an identity and a way of responding to this if we just reverse the story. And that is, if we are grounded in prayer, and if we are gathered with the people that we trust in community, we have a way of living with that vision. Because in the end of the story that we hear today, the disciples don't go running away in fear. They live into this vision of God's kingdom. At the end of January, we launched our Pew to 50K campaign, Read, Pray, Serve. I loved how um, just focusing on service last year kind of invited all of St. Stephen's to go out and to serve and to do remarkable work in the community and the, and the way that we kind of understood our, our footprint, our impact in the greater community was remarkable. But it's not just about serving. If we are going to live into our Christian identity, we must be formed in prayer and in relationships with each other. 
when Jesus comes off the mountain, He comes off after being grounded in prayer. He comes off the mountain and down into the valley with His community to share a message. But He's with those people, the disciples that He has formed together. My hope is over the next year as you find ways of deepening your faith through prayer, through study of Scripture or in small groups, through serving in the community. That that deepening in prayer helps you sit with the messages of God in a way, in a new way, where we can hear the challenging Scripture and maybe it turns upside down and, and instead of making us so scared, we become a little bit more comfortable sitting with it. We begin to see it as the way that we're supposed to live. But we can only come down into the valley and do that work when we are situated in prayer and we've gathered with those that we love and support. And may we heed the advice of the collect and see that it's not the strengths that we have, but the weaknesses that God is using to do good in this world. Amen.